be in Ecclesiastes 3. We're in the 8th verse today. If you would please stand for the reading of Christ's word this morning. We'll start at verse 1 and finish at verse 8. May you hear the word of Christ. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, the great measure of grace that you have extended to us through your son that we are able to come together this morning to hear your word preached that we can open our minds and our hearts to receive a word that is directly from christ and so now lord open our ears open our minds and our hearts to receive that word so that you might plant in us your word by your spirit so that we might grow fruit of goodness and grace in our own lives. Father, we offer these things in the name of your Son. We pray these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was looking at that single verse this week, a time to love and a time to hate, that can sort of throw us off and might even shock us when we get to that point where we've realized again and again each week that there's this time for certain action. And you might think, well, that's pretty offensive to read that. A time to love, we like that, but we get to that second part, a time to hate. What is it in Scripture, where is it in Scripture that it calls us to hate? That's difficult. And so as I read this verse, I began to think, where in Scripture do I see both of these words come up together? Whether it's a theme uh, in Scripture, a story in Scripture. And I immediately thought of John's epistles, John's letters, or even John's gospel itself. In fact, what you find in John's gospel and John's letters, you have this word of love and hate, love and hate, come back and forth again and again. And so you have a major theme in both his gospels and his letters of love and hate. And so I began reading John's epistle, John's letter, the first one, and I began to figure out, you know, he's got so much to say about both of these. And the fact is, is he's writing a letter to a church about a time to love and a time to hate or really to be hated. And so when I was reading through John's letter, I couldn't help but notice, uh, well, first, that we don't write many letters anymore, do we? We don't write letters much. We write emails. We write text messages. That's our letter-making of today. 
but we don't write many letters. And, and for the past couple of weeks, I've been reading uh, Flannery O'Connor, the novelist in the 20th century, her letters. She had sent all to all kinds of people, friends, family, um, editors of books that are reading, uh, preparing for uh, publishing of certain books. And it just <coughs> reminds me that letters are extremely personal. They reveal so much about you. It might even reveal about a lot about the person you're writing to. They're historical in the fact that I'm reading Flannery O'Connor's actual letters to friends and family and to editors and publishers. Is, it's a historical moment in her life. And so just like you have in 1 John, this is a historical letter. Letters are also intimate. They share so many details, personal details about that person, deep secrets about that person. But they're also what we call communal. They share. The person who is writing and to whom they're writing shares something in common. They're having a conversation, so to speak, through letters. So they have these shared ideas or shared beliefs or even shared blood. They could have family members that they're writing to. And so it hit me. It might have been my imagination running wild about the letter writing or even maybe a prompting of the Spirit. But I thought how neat it would be to write a letter to Hickory Grove and preach that letter this morning. So that's what I decided to do. It's personal, no doubt. It's historical where we're at. Hopefully it's intimate, but also it's communal. We share something in common through this letter. And let me say a few words about what I'm doing this morning. Uh, much like Scripture, uh, it's fully inspired. It's God's Word. And you have even a letter here written by a historical person named John to another church. We now have it a part of our Scriptures. The words that I tell you this morning and I read to you are not scriptural in the sense that I'm being inspired by the Spirit. I don't see my letter as fully inspired. My letter is a sermon preached. And Lord willing, God does something through His Spirit to prompt us towards action this morning. So it is not Scripture. But guess what? I use a lot of 1 John's Scripture. And I will walk 1st, 2nd, 3rd, fourth and fifth chapter and you could ideally open up your Bible and see me moving along through first John you'll see I'll pull out scripture here and then I'll move down and continue with the structure that first John has for us but I want to see how this personal letter is preached this morning and see how the spirit moves us so let's begin reading the letter to the church of Hickory Grove, grace and peace to you from our Lord. That which was from the beginning, the eternal word, namely Christ Jesus, who existed with the Father and the Spirit in perfect harmony and love, has been seen by many, named the apostles, who looked upon and have touched with their hands the word of life himself. Not only did they see him, they proclaimed his words of life to others. Yet, church, we have neither seen nor touched nor eaten with the Lord Christ as they did. But even Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, said this, Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. 
the same fellowship the disciples had with Christ through His Spirit, we too have with our Lord. A greater time has indeed passed since those who heard Christ and saw Him, but His Spirit has not changed. We are united with Christ through His death, resurrection, and gift of His Spirit. And also we are not only united to one another, we are unified with one another through Christ's death, resurrection, and gift of His Spirit. And to be in such unity is a joy and delight before our Father's eyes. Yet if we say we have fellowship with Christ while we walk in darkness and hate, we lie to ourselves and do not practice the truth. If we say we have never sinned, we are simply deceiving ourselves and the truth is not being lived out. But thanks be to our Father, because if we confess our sins, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, my brothers and sisters at Hickory Grove, I am writing these things to you so that you may, not, so that you may veer away from unhealthy habits of sin and brokenness. But if anyone has sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous one. He is the propitiation, the perfect sacrifice for our imperfect lives. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let us then be reminded to practice our faith by taking the perfect sacrifice of Christ daily with us while living out Christ's physical resurrection each day we've been given because whoever keeps Christ's word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That is both difficult, but a worthy calling to each of us who call themselves Christ followers. So, beloved of God, let us see the world rightly. And by that I mean this. Let us see the world as Christ and his scriptures see the world. The way people treat others can be very dark and hateful. And sometimes the way we respond to others can be dark and hateful as well. The culture in which we live needs light and it needs life. A light that gives sight and a life that satisfies. Thanks be to God who sent his son as light and life into the world. But whoever hates his brother or sister in Christ or even neighbor or stranger he meets, he is in darkness and walks in darkness and hate and does not know where he's going. I am writing to you to remind you, brothers and sisters at Hickory Grove, because your sins are forgiven in Christ. I'm writing to you, fathers and mothers, because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men and women, because you have conquered the evil one in his evil ways through Christ. I'm writing to you, brothers and sisters, to remember our Heavenly Father always. I'm writing to you, fathers and mothers, because you truly know Christ, the one who intercedes on your behalf. I'm writing to you, young men and women, because you are made courageous and strong through Christ. And don't forget, the word of God abides in you. Through his spirit. Church, enjoy the goodness of God's good creation and beauty he has gifted to us. But do not enjoy and take part of the broken ways of our culture. Men and women have a misguided tendency to exalt and celebrate themselves instead of exalting and celebrating Christ. If anyone fails to love 
uh, falls in love with these broken ways of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Instead, let us passionately pursue the life of Christ so that others might see that exalting themselves is a fleeting and vain amusement. But exalting Christ in this age in which we live is worthy, eternal, and good. A serious word of caution, church. Many individuals of high power claim they know Christ, but actually are cunning and deceptive like the serpent in the garden before Adam and Eve. Their words seem to carry truth, but the false content of their words are clothed in the rhetoric of deception. What they are saying can hinder your faith and lead you astray. He who is a liar, but him who denies that Christ, Jesus is the Christ himself. Instead, let what you heard from the beginning of your faith journey abide in you. Then you will abide in the Son and in the Father as well. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. Which is both the eternal life of God in us right here and right now, but also the promise of life forever with God. Can you see what kind of love the Father has given to us? His love is like a hurricane or we are like bending trees on the shore. His love is an eternal gift and we can do nothing to pay him back ever. His love takes up residence in our violent hearts only to calm and soothe them with peace. His love resurrects our dead bones and his love breathes life into our breathless bodies. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be in the resurrection has not yet appeared. But we know that when Christ appears one day, we shall have restored and resurrected bodies like him. Him who is the firstborn and author of resurrection. No one who abides in Christ makes a continued practice and habit of sinning. Let me say this more clearly. No one who keeps on intentionally practicing the habit of sinning has either seen Christ or known Him. Church, let us practice the righteousness, justice, and love of God so that we might love our brothers and sisters in Christ. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning of your faith journey that we should sacrificially and in a servant-like way love one another. Brothers and sisters, do not be surprised or shocked that the ways of Jesus are not found acceptable in our today's world. In fact, some may even hate you for practicing the love of Christ. But let us not be murderers who hate others. But those who speak life and truth in loving and gentle ways. Well, why? Simply this, because we have the eternal love of God abiding in us. And what is the picture of this love? We see it perfectly painted in the person of Christ himself, who laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters also. As you can see, the Christ-like love meets us in our everyday life. For example, whenever food or goods that we might have in our possession, and if we see a brother in need, may we open and not close our hearts and hands to the one who is in need. Church, let us not love in word and talk only, but in deed, action, and in truth. How do we know we are loving rightly and living lives pleasing to God? It's when we keep in step with the Spirit of Christ whom He has given to us. 
Speaking of spirits, Church of God, do not believe every spirit in this age and culture. There are many spirits from false prophets and teachers to many self-help gurus. They are from the ways of the world, therefore they speak from its ways. And the rest of the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever shows, excuse me, whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. How do we know the spirits of the world? Well, that's by measuring their words against the scriptures, the word itself. And how can you know if these people are of Christ? It is by their love. Does it favor Christ's sacrificial love? Does it unify? Does this love reconcile people and parties of different races, geographies, financial statuses, and maybe even political persuasions? Ultimately, does it look like the love of the Father who sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him? Yes, walking according to Christ's Spirit can be frightening. But remember, brothers and sisters, at Hickory Grove, God is love. And His perfect and perfecting love casts out fear. Be not afraid, church, to love others as God has first loved you. And when you see someone hungry, feed him. Someone thirsty, give him drink. Someone cold, clothe him. For those who love God keep his commandments, which are in no shape or form burdensome to us, his people. According to the Father's wise timing, he sent his spirit upon Christ at the moment of his son's baptism. It was through these waters of baptism that he began his mission of redemption. And he fulfilled his redemptive mission by his blood on the cross. And, whatever, and whoever believes in the Son of God's mission of reconciliation has been born of God. He is a new man in Christ. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That you might know that you have eternal life in you. So walk in that life. Seek out God and speak to Him. For He hears your cries, your voices, and your concerns. Christ has already given us wisdom, church. And He has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true. And that is His Son, Christ Jesus. He is the true God in eternal life. Brothers and sisters at Hickory Grove, let us be a people of sacrifice and service by worshiping the Lord Christ in all of life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for the reminder that your word speaks. And we thank you for the reminder that you have given us your scriptures. And you have inspired in a number of different ways scripture. From it we have history, from it we have poetry, from it we have letters, from it we have gospel accounts. So there's all kinds of genres within your scriptures. And Lord, we thank you for the letter itself in which we can have this personal understanding of who you are and how you were able to millennia ago speak through these writers and that you are able to keep these scriptures held together 
so that they would continue to edify the church. And so, Lord, we have come this morning to be edified, to eat and feast of your word. May we be a people who choose to do that which is fulfilling. May we be a people who choose ultimately that life which is in Christ. And as the, God, the writer of 1 John says, is that life and light is so important. No matter if it's the culture in which John was writing or even the culture in which we live right now. We need a life and light in our culture. And so that ultimately points to Christ, your son. And so may you continue to work in us. We're not perfect and never will we be. But your love is perfect. And it is perfecting us each and every day. That we might be more and more like your son. That the world would look at us and recognize that it is your son's love that works in and through us. And so may we be a people who continue to return to your son, asking for forgiveness for the broken ways in our lives, but also asking for wisdom to point us in a new direction. May we be that people this week as the body of Hickory Grove so that the other communities, our city can point to us and say that must be a people of Christ by the way that they display and demonstrate Christ's love. May we be known for that this week. We offer these things in your son's name. Amen.